Welcome to the Gold Standard. Happy holidays. Christmas, Hanukkah, the Festivus for the Rest of Us edition here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingen at Adam Vingen. I'd like to see Adam Vingen versus Baby Arlo, the feats of strength, or maybe the airing of grievances. One of the two. I'm not sure. Which one would you prefer, Adam? Airing of grievances or feats of strength? Hmm. I'm not sure how many grievances Arlo would possibly have right now. (laughs) You are a perfect dad. He's a perfect baby. And the wife is a perfect mom. That is exactly what you're supposed to say on the show. I do want to say that this is, to quote Krusty the Clown, a non-denominational holiday fun fest. (laughs) All right. I like that. Um, Yeah, that's why I always go with the Festivus for the rest of us. Or better yet, whatever it is that you celebrate, please have a wonderful and amazing week spending time with the people that you love. And uh, being present. How about that? Being present. All, just- all I would like to say is I hope that everybody listening, again, to quote Krusty the Clown, <laughs> have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Quasi Kwanzaa, a Tip Top Tet, and a Solemn Dignified Ramadan. <laughs> the Solemn Dignified Ramadan. That's two Krusty the Clown quotes in the first five minutes of the show. Well done, Adam Bingen. Uh, so today on the show, not necessarily a, a, a long episode. We, we, of course, have a holiday version of the pod, and there are no games to discuss necessarily. So we are going to spend some time on the Olympics. There's some news there. Obviously, the entire league has been paused to, until after the holiday break. We'll, we'll try to take a look at what hockey could look like, um, as I believe over 50 games, roughly 50 games have been postponed or canceled across the league. So we'll get to all of that. Uh, coming up in a little bit. Also, you wrote an article on The Athletic, paid for good journalism, of course, as to how this Predators team statistically is accomplishing what they are accomplishing, the seven-game winning streak, two wins without their entire coaching staff and a third of their players. They are now seven wins in a row, and uh, they're, of course, just a point out of first place, 19-10-1, so we'll get to how that's happened, why that's happened. Uh, We'll take a little statistical deeper dive into the seven-game winning streak and take a look at why this team is – is uh, is overachieving as much as they have and maybe just achieving at this point as we talked last week about changing expectations this maybe we're looking at a new predators team that we need to evaluate through a different lens uh, so we'll get to all of that however before we do the gold standard adam bingen of the athletic is brought to you by it's brought to you by jaspers it is and if you need and you can correct me on the holiday uh, rituals of hanukkah you give a gift every day right is no, correct? you don't get you don't do the I, gift every day. I if you are listening to this podcast and you are Jewish like I am and you ever received eight presents over eight nights of Hanukkah, we need to talk because I don't think that person exists. Your colleague, in fact, your colleague at The Athletic and a former boss of mine, Mitch Light, would do eight presents, but for eight days because he's Jewish. But I think it was like there were like seven little presents and like one real present. When I was younger, when I was younger, go to Jasper's, by the way, go to Jasper's where it's Hanukkah every day. (laughs) Um, When I was younger, we would get either four or five presents and we got to choose which nights we received the Ah, presents. So usually I would get my big present on the first night and then I would spread it out so that I had something to look forward to throughout the holiday. Okay. Well, you almost did eight then. That was pretty close. Like maybe, maybe it's just an, maybe it's just an older generation that still does that. Uh, anyway, go to Jasper's. What I was going to, the reason I mentioned that and brought that up though, is because when you go to Jasper's, you won't pay for parking and you're going to eat great food. They will have great happy hour specials, regardless of whether or not the Preds are playing. You can order a gold standard cocktail named after this show. So there's lots of reasons to go, but here's what I was getting at, Adam. Are you ready for this? If you, walk, ready. If you walk through the grab and go market, they are perfect stocking stuffer slash small Hanukkah gifts all in that market, man. They're locally sourced Nashville, Tennessee companies like Goo Goo Clusters and Thistle Farms and all kinds of like, like Bloody Mary mixes and, you know, bars of soap and like just really cool treats and snacks and mugs and paraphernalia about Nashville, most of which are all from local companies. And they're really great small gifts that kind of put your put your gift giving over the top, right? You always need that last little gift to put it over the top uh, for either Christmas or Hanukkah. So make sure you go check out the grab and go market at Jasper's. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this and it's before Christmas, it's a very good spot to just swing by, have yourself a beer and a burger and swing through the market. You will find some really nice gifts for somebody if you're having trouble. So go check out the grab and go market at Jasper's. All right. So the Nashville Predators have won seven straight games. 
Uh, we did our show last week and did not know if the Colorado game was going to happen, did not know if the Chicago game was going to happen. They both took place. UC Saros was excellent in both of them. The team won both of those games in overtime against Chicago and sort of dominating a Colorado team. But in the process, all of the coaches are gone for Nashville under the COVID list. A third of the roster, Colorado skated with, I think, only 17 players because they started getting people put into the protocol like literally hours before the game started. Um, I, I guess Carl Taylor, if you've heard the episode on this on this show, uh, uh, this guy coached like a third of the team in, in Milwaukee. So he's uniquely positioned, a very high-quality coach to step in and get two Ws in his NHL debut. I don't know. Does that count on his resume as uh, he's 2-0, and right, as a head coach? Now, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I went onto the NHL records page because there is such a website and they have head coaching records. I believe that the two wins that Carl Taylor earned technically go to John Hines. Oh, come on. Because Carl Taylor is not listed among the head coach records. That is that's atrocious. But the overall record that the Predators have had since John Hines became coach is listed under his name. So I do believe mm. that although Carl Taylor is technically... 2-0 and as a coach in the <laughs> NHL, his two victories are credited to John Hines. Well, maybe we can campaign the office here on the podcast and get Carl Taylor a couple of W's. I think he's earned them. Uh, listen, I just, uh, the, the way they played those two games, especially the Colorado game, I, I, I mean, having Saros back there is, is a pretty big deal. Obviously, Colorado was, was, was without Darcy Kemper, but I, I think you got to give this team a ton of credit and we'll dive into the numbers here in just a second as to why it's working. But it, I mean, to have all of your coaches gone and a third of your roster and then take four points, just keep on taking points, just gobbling up points left and right. I seven straight wins. You got to give these guys a lot of credit for what they accomplished last week uh, before all the other games got canceled. Just to recap. So last Wednesday, the predators announced that, there were six players and six members of their traveling party, quote unquote, in COVID-19 protocol. And four of the six members of the traveling party included John Hines, uh, Todd Richards, Dan Lambert, and Ben Vanderklok. So the head coach, two assistants, and the goaltending coach. And it was determined that day that Dan Hynote would be the acting head coach against the Colorado Avalanche, his, his former team. Then on Thursday morning, the Predators announced that Dan Hynote had tested positive for COVID-19. So at the time, the original plan and Nick Cousins and and Nick Cousins as well. So at the time before Dan Hynote tested positive, he was going to coach with Carl Taylor and Scott Ford um, by his side. Of course, Carl Taylor had coached the Milwaukee Admirals, Scott Ford, longtime assistant coach for the Milwaukee Admirals. Um, but then when, when high note entered protocol, they th- thrust Carl Taylor into the head coach position with Scott Ford as his assistant, as well as Scott Nickel, the predator's assistant general manager. So I, that I do was not, the, I do not like the way you use the word thrust just then. What's wrong with the word thrust? I, it's a, it's a fine word. It just feels, it just felt a little weird. It felt a little, you put a little too much emphasis on it. I, I was, I got a little weirded out by that. All right, grow up. I, did, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to distract you. I'm sorry. This is not the Fringe Element podcast. This is a highbrow. No, podcast. you're right. This is where we talk about giving birth in public places. You're right. Totally correct. Absolutely. I am unaware of whatever you were referring to. <laughs> a- anyway, carry on. carry on. So, one thing that we always hear during development camps and training camps, and if you ever go to a Milwaukee Admirals game and, and talk to Carl Taylor or David Poyle or John Hines. It doesn't matter. They always talk about the continuity between the Predators and the Admirals in terms of what they do on the ice. And I mean, I think this is the case in most NHL, AHL partnerships where the NHL team basically instructs the AHL team to teach its system. So that when the AHL players get called up to the NHL, it's a seamless transition. And 
you know, usually when an AHL player comes up, they'll talk about, oh, yeah, I understood what was going on, yada, yada, yada. It's completely different when it's the head coach of the AHL team that has to come up and coach the NHL team. And, and I think you saw on Thursday and Friday how that continuity works because as Carl Taylor said, he knows what the Predators are supposed to do. And of course there were some nerves. Um, he was nervous, I'm sure. And, and Scott Ford as well. But as Carl Taylor said, after the avalanche game, he just said to Scott, let's just do what we do. And, and that's, and that's what they did. I, I think I counted nine players on the roster on Thursday who had played for Carl Taylor in Milwaukee at some point. Um, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but Yakov Trenin and Tanner Janot, Ellie Tolvanen, Alex Carrier, Cody Glass, Rocco Grimaldi, Cole Smith, Tommy Novak, Philip Tomasino. I, well, Philip Tomasino didn't play. Actually. I was going to say it would have been, it would have um, been, it would have been more actually if Tomasino wasn't yes. on COVID. Um, but I, I think I counted nine players who had played for Carl Taylor in the American League. So you know that helped as well. And, you know, when, when, when things are going well, you know, it doesn't matter if half of your roster and your entire coaching staff are down with the coronavirus, down with the sickness, I should say, <laughs> um, because they kept on winning. Now, to be fair, as you mentioned, Colorado was also incredibly shorthanded. Darcy Kemper was missing. Kale McCarr was missing. Yeah. Um, I believe Andre Burakovsky was missing. And my colleague, at the athletic Peter ball who covers the avalanche reported to the, the avalanche, I think were given the choice not to play Yeah. Um, yep. if they, if they wanted to now, of course, if you tell a bunch of hockey players, Hey, do you want to play this game? <laughs> right, right. What are the odds they're going to say? Yeah. You know, we don't really feel like it's fair. Let's just go home. Well, and, and let's be honest. It wasn't like the predators. It wasn't a third of the roster and the entire coaching staff. It was a goaltender, a skater and a defenseman. I mean, it was a, it would. It could be that could be a normal game situation, like in any moment where you like have an injury to your goaltender and Kale McCarr. Like that could happen in any regular game. So I know they were short. I, they definitely were shorthanded. The just, Predators had the better roster, you know, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, I guess that's uh, at least at, at least the Predators had their full complement of defensemen. Uh, the Avalanche didn't, and I think they had a couple of players making either their NHL debut or playing in their second NHL game. And yes, they still had, you know, they still had Nathan McKinnon on the ice. Um, but, you know, when you thought about the number of players and the entire coaching staff that were in protocol for the Predators, you thought they would be completely shorthanded. Um, yeah. But the Avalanche, I think, had a worse roster on the ice against the Predators on Thursday night. Um, but then, of course, the following night, Mark Borowiecki entered COVID-19 protocol, which left the Predators with eight players unavailable. Um, but at least they had they had a more complete roster than the Avalanche did, which is kind of hard to believe considering the circumstances. And, and then, of course, they get an overtime win over Chicago um, the following night. And af after that, of course, all the games have been postponed until after Christmas. We'll get into the Olympics and the postponements and what is the NHL going to do moving forward. We'll, we'll do all of that coming up in just a few minutes. But they win seven straight games. They do it shorthandedly. They do it. It, they're doing it against good quality teams and they are now 19, 10 and one, which is on pace for Adam Vingen, 106 points there. The Vegas over under was 86. I'm not suggesting they will keep the nine game over 500 pace, but they are on pace for 106 points. They are one point out of first place. How are they doing it? This seems to be a question we are asking every single week on the pod and you did some statistical deep dive analysis of the team on the athletic pay for good journalism, go get your stinking subscription because it's worth it. And you'll get a lot more detail into all these numbers. We're going to touch on a few of them here on the show because you wrote the, like the 10 stats you need to know about how the Preds are doing it kind of deal, um, which is, which is what the internet's for. And it's great information. So you need to go check it out. We'll bring a couple of those. We'll talk about a couple of those here on the pod. I, I want to, I want to get your thoughts, though, first of all, through all the 10 statistics and all the games that you've watched from the Preds. What is the give me the one or two through lines that sort of thread all these numbers together 
that try to explain in sort of layman's terms why this team has been so successful, why they are winning games the way they are, why they're on a seven-game winning streak, one point out of first place, and nine games over 500. Do you have a I, – I have my own theory. I want to hear what your theory is first. Well, I think it speaks to all of the things that we've heard John Hines and the players preach in terms of a renewed commitment to doing the little unglamorous things that help win hockey games. Um, it, it looks like a, a, a stronger commitment uh, to defense as well as a, a stronger commitment to getting into the so-called dirty areas of the ice on both sides. Um, because we hear all the time that this team is harder to play against. And we talk about how this team is harder to play against. And, and that's an intangible thing. But there are ways that you can attempt to quantify what hard to play against means. So one of the statistics that I pulled, and, and they're very specific, um, but one of the statistics I pulled is that the Predators, I believe, are second or third in the NHL in blocked offensive zone passes per game in all situations. And to me, that's second in the league, second in the league. That to me speaks to their forecheck because we've talked about how this team is much better on the forecheck and more committed uh, to going on the forecheck. And the fact that they are blocking so many passes per game shows that when they get in on the forecheck, the other team is having a hard time breaking the puck out of its own zone. And by doing that, the Predators are giving themselves the opportunity to extend their own offensive zone time and create chances off of those blocked passes. So, yes, you can see on the ice that they're getting in on the forecheck. They're making life difficult for the defenseman going back and and trying to break out the puck. But now we have a number that shows that the Predators are one of the best teams in the league at preventing other teams from getting out of its uh, getting out of their own zone. And, and that, so that is one example of the numbers that, uh, that I pulled. So 23.7 offensive zone passes blocked per game by the Nashville predators. That 23.7 is second in the NHL package that with a 35.1 number also on your list here, which is one-on-one puck battles, one per game at five on five. Now that's not just offensive zone. That's all over the ice, all over the ice, but those two numbers together with 35.1 one-on-one puck battles, one per game at five on five combined with the fact that they're blocking 23 shots, uh, passes, excuse me, per game in the offensive zone. That is one of the through lines. I would absolutely agree with you with, which is, the tenacity, the little things, the forechecking, that is one of the, the major through lines, all of these statistics that I think you absolutely can point to. The other one for me, and I, the reason I, I found it interesting that you pulled a lot of these numbers, because I remember interviewing John Hines back in my radio days on, like in the first week that we had him on, the first week we talked to him, and it was sort of like, all right, describe your offensive and defensive philosophies to people out there. It's a pretty generic question. And I remember him like mentioning the slot over and over and over and over again, which is not rocket science in hockey, right? The high danger areas, we want to get to the high danger areas and we want to stop people from getting to the high danger areas. And you pulled a couple of numbers, unbeknownst you know, to, to me in my interview that I conducted years ago with John Hines, but they are significantly better in slot shots on the power play. That's Mm -hmm. one number you pulled up. So they're getting more opportunities in the slot on the power play. Matt Duchesne in particular, another number you pulled again, go, go pay for good journalism. If you want to get, get all the numbers here uh, about how active he is in the slot, 11 of his 13 goals have come from the slot and num and on the other side of the ice, how good the defense has been at compacting the defensive zone and keeping people out of the inner slot and the number of inner slot shots per game against just 5.6 and rebound chances. All of this stuff is in the article. Go read it. But the through line, all of this is a heavy, heavy focus on controlling the front of the net on both ends of the ice. 
So if you put these two things together, you're talking about a team that is bust its ass in the corners and in the offensive zone on the forecheck and bust its ass to protect the front of the net in front of UC Soros and attack the front of the net on the other side. Oh, oh, I, there's another one you had in here too, which is percentage of offensive zone passes by defensemen that go into the slot. <laughs> and so they're doing... And we got really specific with these right. numbers. We, but, that's, but, but, but again... You sort of want to put them all together to get the holistic vision of what they're doing, right? And these numbers give you tangible evidence of the two big philosophies, in my opinion, that would define the John Hines identity, which is tenacious hard work in the corners and forechecking and physicality, and then protect and attack the high, the, the dangerous, the danger zones on the ice. And these right. these numbers are are indicators that that is exactly what they are doing right now. The question I have for you is: Is it sustainable? I mean, we've been asking ourselves that for a long time. And there's a question I'm going to, I'm, I'm, there's a question I think that's worth asking. Um, I'll have to find the, the exact person who tweeted. I actually just found it. So this was a tweet from Dale Manning. I don't know if Dale Manning is a listener, but he should be. So Dale Manning tweeted at me the other day, and I'd love to get your opinion on this about sustainability. He goes, all I hear is this team is overachieving, but is it really? Since our regular season run of last year, has anyone won more regular season games than us, meaning the Predators? May not be the best, but should it really be a surprise? So I went back, and I have it right in front of me. So from March 15th of this year, which was last season, which was the first game of the second half of last season, okay. when they're 27 20 dash seven dash one record <laughs> started not 27 right, and right, one, right, right, right. um started in, through the first however many ga 30 games of this year so the predators that's 58 games 28 games last season 30 games this season okay the predators are fourth in the league in points percentage over that time they have a 39 17 and two record there are three teams in the NHL over that span that have a higher points percentage. Number one, the Colorado Avalanche. Two, the Carolina Hurricanes. And three, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Three very good teams. Three legitimate Stanley Cup contending teams. And the Predators are fourth at 690. So that's the question. We've seen this team over a 58-game sample since the second half of last season play incredibly well. So... I guess that goes into the conversation about expectations. You know, did we undersell this team at the beginning of the season? And my answer is no, because in a way, the Predators sort of undersold themselves. When, when David Poyle <laughs> made the, the mistake of calling this a competitive rebuild, and then he eventually, you know, what's the word, retracted that and called it a competitive transition. Either way, he said on multiple occasions, we are taking a step back to hopefully take two steps forward or something along the lines of that. I, I'm... Even, even management acknowledged that this team was taking a step back. So, yes, okay. the Predators, from a record standpoint, have definitely overachieved since the second half of last season. So if the team itself acknowledges that, then I think we should all acknowledge it, too. And and. A couple of points. Number one, my opinion from last week, if you listen to the show, which is I know it's sort of a vague answer to should we change expectations? But that is until I sort of have in my my gut and my heart and my brain that I think this team can win a playoff series. I'm not really ready to change expectations yet because I think it's been great for now. I think to continue the the argument that should we be that surprised if you also add in how well they played against Carolina in the playoff series against mm -hmm. a team that was significantly better than them record-wise last year and from a talent perspective. And, and they you know had them beat in multiple games that they could have won late in the second and third periods and how well they played. If you, pack, if you add those six games into the 58-game schedule as well, I, I, know that, I know they lost four to two, but they were basically in every single game minus the, basically the first one. I, I, I just – I can see where people are coming from. That they've we've now seen 60, 65 games of pretty damn good hockey from this team. And I I don't think 
one point out of first place and 106 points is the right expectation. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I, I agree with you. Like if David Poyle is suggesting that they, they were taking a step back to take two steps forward, you know, it's hard for us to, to be guilty, but it's also okay for us to say, look, we didn't expect this. We were wrong. And that's only still just for now. <laughs> like you still have 50 more games to go, hopefully in the regular season before we can actually officially say, Hey, we were way wrong about this team. They are way better than we expected. So I, I, I don't change my opinion from the beginning of the season. I will change my opinion and say that I was wrong. If we are wrong, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, so, and, and, uh, and we've said this a lot and I'm going to say it again, that I think there are, we talked about eating crow on the show last week. We did. We got, we, we, we got into the whole origin of the saying of eating crow. There are, there are people, fans, listeners, readers who are tying themselves in knots, not to give John Hines credit for what we've seen over the past 58 games. I why, think why why wouldn't you give him credit? Because because they weren't happy with the hire in the first place. Oh. I, you know, I think I think we've gotten to a point. We've seen we have a plenty of sample to show that John Hines has been great for this team. And this is the thing I always say when I have this conversation: Is John Hines the coach that gets this team? back into Stanley Cup contention. That remains to be seen, even though the record, as we just laid it out, is very impressive. But for where this team was in January 2020, for how fragile this team was in 2020, January 2020, for the lack of identity that this team had in January 2020, John Hines, it was the right way. It was the right hire. And... You know, I, you know, like I said, I am a water carrying John Hines apologist, according to many, <laughs> but I think we've gotten to a point where the people listening who were, and I think people are starting to come around. We talked about this last week as well, but there are still people in the comment section of the athletic doing everything they can not to give John credit for what we've seen. Um, and I think it's time for them to realize that he's a pretty good coach. Is he, is he Scotty Bowman? No. But he's a pretty good coach, and this this run would not have been possible without him. So, yeah. you know, I, I just think that we've reached the point now as we approach the two-year anniversary of his hiring, which is approaching quickly, um, that he deserves a, a ton of credit. And, you know, think about, think about the changes that we've seen from specific players. You know, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Granlund. Um, you know, those wouldn't have been possible without John either. So, you know, I, you know, it, it's a really interesting conversation about whether this team has really overachieved when you consider how well they've played. I, I mean, they're like their record over the past 58 games. Absolutely. They are overachieving. Yeah. Um, yes. It also helps that UC Soros has continued to play like a Vezina worthy goaltender. And it doesn't matter what happens if your goaltender continues to steal games on a regular basis. Yeah. Yep. This team is going to continue to overachieve. I also think like everything in sports, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. It's all in the moment. I totally agree with everything you just said for now. And, and if they go on to win, you know, <laughs> if they go on to finish second place and first place over the next three years, then, then the, then there's no argument. If they, tank the rest of the season and don't make the playoffs next year, we'll have a different opinion next year. So like the opinions evolve and, but for right now you're 100% correct. And, and you cannot argue with the results 39, 17 and two over a 58 game stretch with a damn good playoff series mixed in there. That's a lot of evidence. That's a lot of evidence. So uh, I, I think the sustainability thing, I, I, I think as we continue to ask that question, I still don't think 1910 and one, and 106 game, 106 point pace. I don't think that is sustainable. But can they be a two or a three seed, make the playoffs, and maybe start to win a series? I'm starting to come around on that. I'm starting to come around on that. And I, I need some more evidence. I need some more data to back that up. But I think we're both starting to come around on that. All right. So we got a lot to discuss the NHL and the Olympics. There's some big news there. Uh, of course, what's going to happen to the NHL and their season? 
50 plus games have been canceled. Was it the right time? Was it the wrong time? Of course, how does this affect the national predators win streak? We'll do all of that when we come back right here on the gold standard podcast. The gold standard is brought to you by Adam Vingan of the athletic by who? By Jaspers. An excellent place to escape your family after Christmas. <laughs> I can always count on the cynical Adam Vingan to come out during the uh, advertisement. I do enjoy that. Uh, great parking, great happy hours for Preds games, home and road, of course. You get $3 domestics, $10 smash burger. You don't pay for parking. The grab-and-go market is great for stocking stuffers. And so obviously there's tons of reasons to go. The Gold Standard Cocktail, named after this show. I don't know who else has got a... I don't know who else has podcasts with a cocktail named after their podcast, but we do at, here at the Gold Standard at Jasper's. But also, you can always go in, pick up a nice gift card. I think right now they're giving you 20% off for the Christmas holidays. So go get yourself a gift card from Jasper's. I, I don't, I guess, I guess gift cards are polarizing, Adam. I, I, I don't know why gift cards would be, I, I don't think they're polarizing. I, I like gift cards just because it's, you know, if you want to get someone a gift that you know that they'll like, you know, sometimes I think a gift card is the way to go. Like, for example, my father loves Apple products. So I'll get him an Apple gift card that he can put towards, you know, buying a computer or a pair of AirPods or whatever. You know, I think sometimes people um, think that gift cards are too impersonal. You know, like I know that my in-laws, my, my wife, my, my wife would be in that group. My in-laws like to give me specific gifts. Now, here's one thing about me when it comes to gift giving. You know, I, I like I like fashion. I like to buy clothes. I do not like when other people buy me clothes because they don't know what I like. So <laughs> does your mom and, does your mom count? <laughs> no, my mom. I don't think my mom has purchased me clothes since I was in high school i'm the same i'm the same way I i'm i'm not as fashionable as you but i do not want people buying me i'll, I'll let my wife buy me a shirt or whatever because she knows but nobody else in my like i i hope my parents aren't listening to this but like i think my parents my dad has given me like one shirt in the last like 15 years and it's just a shirt i would never wear <laughs> my aunt bought me a I love sweatshirt you, <laughs> my aunt bought me a sweatshirt a couple of years ago from nordstrom and I didn't like it. And I returned it. And unfortunately, Nordstrom let my aunt know that oh. her gift had been returned for some reason. So that was an awkward conversation. But then when my aunt talked to my mom, you know, their sisters, um, <laughs> well, I just want to make sure it was my, you know, my aunt and on I my gotta, mom's side. Keep going. Um, you know, my mom was like, do not buy Adam clothes. He, I have not purchased him clothes in <laughs> 10 years. So for example, for but example, a gift card to Nordstrom's would be a great gift for you. Cause then you can go pick out what you want. Right. And a gift card to Jasper's is a great gift because yes, there's a lot of excellent food to eat at Jasper's, you know, let's, you wouldn't buy someone like here's a hamburger. And if they don't like hamburgers, then what are you going to do? <laughs> it's, it's not really a great example. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think hamburgers uh, wrap and keep well under the tree and or in the stocking. They don't really work. But you know what does? A Jasper's gift card. Yes. I will say I, I did get a shirt one time from my mother-in-law for Christmas. And this is one of the few times where my my uh, ever-expanding gut helped me out with this, huh. which is they she bought me a shirt. It wasn't exactly my style. It was a nice shirt, but it wasn't exactly my style. I was lucky that it was too small and then I got to return it because then I picked out a different shirt and that was more my style. And I, again, I am not somebody who has style. You sort of have style. Yes. Yeah, sort of. It's yes. odd, but I'll give it to you. It's not I'll, odd. I'll get, I'll give it to you. You got your emo thing going on there. Your emo hipster reporter guy thing. I'm more into streetwear specifically. <laughs> what, the, what the hell does that mean? Um, see, I don't even know, but I'm with you. I think gift cause I, I don't like giving gift cards because I do feel like it's impersonal and I should try to find something that's good for them. But I love getting gift cards because then I get to decide what to purchase. I right, totally exactly. agree. So, so, so go to Jasper's and buy a gift go card. Go to Jasper's so you can get a gift card that you know that people will enjoy. So I'll end on this. So my in-laws who, who celebrate Christmas, you know, they, they don't like 
giving gift cards. You know, my my wife will say, what would you like my parents to get you for Christmas? And I'm like, just a gift card. And they were like, they don't want to do that. So like I so I think, you know, like I wanted to, you know, I, I would want I wanted some new workout gear, but. I did not want to just say, buy me workout gear right. because I did not want something I knew I wasn't going to wear. Some some so neon, had to, neon pink spandex workout pants for you. So I had to tell, <laughs> I had to tell Bridget to tell her mom, go to Dick's Sporting Goods and just get me two Nike dry fit workout shirts. There you go. Because so you, if it you wasn't. Had be, you had to be specific. Right. Like, so if I just said, yeah, buy me okay. a couple workout shirts, it would be some brand I don't like or wouldn't fit properly. <laughs> You're so and, needy. <laughs> no, I just know what I like. No, I agree. I agree. And I we agree. all like, we all like Jasper's. There's something Jasper's. for everyone at Jasper's, whether you like hamburgers or chicken or salad or alcohol or everything. There's something for everyone <laughs> at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, buy a gift card, get your stockings stuff there as well, and uh, stuff your belly too. Go to Jasper's. So, wait, 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 wait. You were talking about earlier how you didn't like the way I used the word thrust, and you just said get your stockings stuffed. That was weird too. That was weird? Okay. Fair enough. Fair complaints. We both have had weird complaints on each other. Go to Jasper's where your stockings will be stuffed. I don't know. Just end the ad right now. (laughs) Okay. Definitely end it now. (laughs) Go, go. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, so the break does come at a bad time for the Nashville Predators, I would argue. Obviously, they've got a lot of players on COVID, and you care about the medical health and safety of all the players and their family first, and by and large, it seems like everyone's doing well because they are largely vaccinated, so everybody's okay, which is the good news, and and, and obviously, lots of players being out doesn't lend itself to continuing a win streak. But hypothetically, the fact that the entire league is now shut down through the Christmas holiday, 50 games roughly, give or take, have been postponed or canceled, and they're going to have to try to make those up. We'll get to the Olympic news in a second. It does feel a little unfortunate that the break is happening right now with the Preds playing such good hockey that COVID is happening right now. I know it's just sort of how we live now in sports and in the world. We just have to deal with the new variant and and how it's going to surge through probably January and then sort of trickle off pretty quickly. The good news is it's not nearly as lethal, but, but far more transmissible. So I guess it's hard to get, it's hard to gauge whether or not the break is a good thing or a bad thing that it's going to slow momentum or, or affect the team. It will show us though, when they do get back on the ice, which right now is scheduled, I believe for, for Tuesday against the stars as of time of recording, it, it does, it will show us their mental toughness though, right? Like how, mm-hmm. like when they have to kickstart this whole thing again, coming off a, a 10, basically a 10 day break, what is this team going to look like? We're going to learn a lot about the mental toughness and sort of does the identity hold true through adversity, right? Well, we would be having the opposite conversation if they had uh, entered this uh, <laughs> right. pause on a seven game losing skit and be like, this is great timing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, you know, to your point, yes, they're, you know, their next scheduled game is Monday, the 27th against Dallas, I believe. And the NHL and the NHLPA announced on Monday that they are going to start the holiday break early Um, Wednesday. They're going to start it. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday shall be off days for all purposes, including travel. And this is what. The NHL says players will report back to their clubs on December 26, which shall be used for testing, practicing and or travel only upon return from the holiday break to team facilities. No individual in the team's traveling party shall enter the facility other than for testing purposes until they have a negative test result. And what's interesting is and you would know this better than me. It seems like the NFL is moving towards a, I don't know, selective uh, uh, testing. Would you well, call it? it? Well, they're they're reducing, they're they're tweaking protocols. The NBA is doing this as well. The 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 NFL needed two negative tests twenty four hours apart to get back into sort of play. If you're vaccinated, to get right. back onto the practice field. I think what they're doing is reducing that to one negative test. So they're s they're trying to expedite the return to play process. 
because most people, again, are asymptomatic, no symptoms, vaccinated with booster shots. And, and again, I, this speaks to our next question on the show, which is, I, I just don't think this is going to, I don't know what a four day break is going to do for the league. Like I don't, the, this variant's not just going to disappear by next Monday. <laughs> like It's not all of a sudden. I, I don't, I am hopeful that all these teams can start playing again, but I, I just don't, I mean, kind of tracking this the way it is and listening to doctors and professionals, it seems like this is going to go until mid January. It will burn out quickly and won't cause as much devastation, but right. that, but that it's, it's still going to, it's not going to peak until mid January. So if that is true, again, I'm just a, we're just a couple of sports nut nerds here. If that is true from a medical standpoint, you really think this week long pause is going to stop this from taking place? Like, I don't know. I don't think this is going anywhere. What's interesting is the flames team doctor, Dr. Ian Ald. Remember the Calgary flames have, have had the worst of it. Basically their entire team is in COVID-19 protocol. He actually spoke to the media a few days ago. and was, It was very interesting. And he was talking about, um, you know, that a few of the, a few of the flames players have, how do you pronounce it? The Omicron, is it the Omicron? Omicron. Who, who Omicron, Omicron variant <laughs> of the coronavirus. And, and he said that we do have a quote, we do have a few people anywhere from four to six. And a lot of cases are in evolution. So that may change that have had what I would call moderate symptoms, moderate symptoms. So chills, fever, fatigue, but quite quick turning the corner within 36, certainly 48 hours. So overwhelmingly, we've seen mild disease, which is reassuring for hopefully the world, but certainly us as a group. So to your point, there is one player in the NHL, Tyler Bertuzzi, who is not vaccinated. So that's it. That's it. One, one single one, human. One single human. And what's funny is that he was chirped in the game by a player, I think on the devils who was screaming at him, go get vaccinated, go get vaccinated, <laughs> which is actually kind of hilarious. I'm, I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> so, so the, so oftentimes the, those who are against shutting things down, say these are, you know, specifically when it comes to sports, you know, those, the people in the, in that camp are saying these are, you know, these are athletes. They're in fantastic shape. They're probably not getting very sick, so we shouldn't have to shut down a league for several days in order for them to get back to you know playing capability. And I can I understand that, um, but this is a highly transmiss transmissible that, disease. That, that is the problem. And it, and so it, so it Nick Cousins, from, it can go from a highly tuned athlete to a, a sick grandmother in lightning speed. Right. And that is what people have not understood about this entire thing for two years, Adam. I don't so want to get Cousins, started on this. So Nick Cousins, before it was publicly known that he had tested positive for COVID-19, he sent out a tweet you know, advocating the league to do what it ultimately did, which is pause the season through Christmas. And, and I reached out to Nick, you know, shortly thereafter. Um, and he told, and, you know, he said that he thought it would be fair for, for teams to, to, to close down for a few days, let players get healthy, let players get the booster shot if they so choose and let everybody kind of start at square one. Um, I'm paraphrasing here and Nick, by the way, does have, has received his booster. So he is fully vaccinated and boosted. And by the way, I think most people consider to fully vaccinated now in general, general terms to be both initial doses or the one shot. If you okay. have the, right. whatever he's boosted, he's got a pregnant wife at home. And that's something that he has to keep in mind when he's, he's so yeah, he is in, he is in great shape. He is a professional athlete, but he has to go home now to a pregnant wife. And that's a, a, a risky proposition. Um, so that's something you have to keep in mind. When it comes to these athletes, yes, they are in great shape. Yes, they are most likely not to get sick significantly, but there are other people in their lives who are in greater risk. So Nick Cousins is a Corona bro peddling fear porn is what you're saying. <laughs> Some people might say that. Listen, listen, this whole entire thing for two years has never been about the young, healthy person who's not going to get in too much trouble. 
It has always been, and for my family personally, my mother-in-law who has cancer. Okay, my children who are unvaccinated. That 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 is my small two-year-old who's unvaccinated. That is who this is about. It has always been about that. It has never ever been about just you know sort of the regular healthy you know teenager or twenty-six-year-old or professional athlete. It has always been about the ramifications of it spreading. And right now, the good news is also, Adam, again, not a doctor here, but I, th- I believe this is how most influenza and viral sort of pandemics have ended and burnt out in the past over hundreds of years, which is they mutate to the point where transmissibility is their primary function, not killing people. And that is hopefully where we are. And that is how the disease and the virus eventually burns itself out. And that is hopefully what's happening right now, because by and large, the vaccines have been very, very effective. There's lots of data, by the way, Uh, unvaccinated is you're 61 times more likely to die of this virus if you're unvaccinated than if you're vaccinated. Like we have data now from the CDC on vax versus unvax. Everyone's spreading it, though, (laughs) like everybody's spreading it. And that is why I don't think I I don't think shutting down to restart from square one for a week is going to do much to stop. They're going to get back together. They can't do a bubble because this thing is too transmissible. The bubble's not going to work and they can't execute it. I still think we're going to kickstart it again. And then a week later, we're going to be right back at the beginning with players going into protocol again. And so it's all about how do you manage. And I read this on the athletic, by the way, great piece about the EPL in, in, in the the soccer league in London or in England, which is that eventually we will have players with positive tests of COVID on the, the field playing against each other because we will just, we will have evolved. It will have mutated. We'll have enough testing. We'll have enough understanding that eventually we could have NHL players with COVID playing against other players who don't because we will have just sort of learned enough to get to that point. We are not there yet, though. So that, that, that could be a year from now. I just don't think it's going to slow down, which along those lines brings us to the Olympics. According to reports, they're not going to have NHL players anymore at the Olympics. It's, it's, is, are we, it's not official, but like, isn't it basically official at this point? As we record this, on late Tuesday morning, um, Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff, formerly of TSN, um, has reported that it has been agreed to by the NHL and the Players Association that NHL players will not participate in the Olympics and that an official announcement could come soon. And by the time you listen to this, the official announcement might have already come. Um, and, and another interesting question that he poses um, in his tweet is, well, the 20." 22 Olympics actually be postponed to 2023, similar to what we saw with the, with the summer games recently. Um, so we, we knew that this is where it was ultimately going to go um, because although the league, uh, I guess you could say promised the, the players that they would allow them to attend the Olympics, it got to a point where the schedule has been significantly impacted how many games did you say close to 50 i I think it's again depending on when you're listening to this it's either just at 50 or or more than 50 so right around 50 right around right around 50 so when are they going to make up these games and and that's going to lead to other questions about whether they can fit them all in during what was supposed to be the olympic break in february whether they extend the regular season who knows but the league is committed to making it to 82 games in a release they sent out, I believe it was on Sunday, they said that they are not intending to do a full-scale pause of the season, that because most players and, and, and staff members are fully vaccinated and those who are sick haven't experienced concerning symptoms, they're just going to go on a case-by-case basis, sort of what we've seen over the past several days with teams such as the Predators being shut down. Um, so they're not planning on shutting down the season as a whole as they did in March of 2020. Um, but you know, it, it never made sense to go to the Olympics. We talked about the quarantine yeah. requirements if a player got sick while they were there. Um, so, you know, I as mean, Frank, as Frank mean, reported, it's, it's off. It, it sucks, but you kind of have to shrug your shoulders and say it's probably the right thing to do for the players, for their families. And frankly, if you're a Predators fan, you don't want UC Soros stuck over in Beijing for nine weeks and is by himself in a hotel room. Like you don't want that. So I, I, again, I, it sucks. I totally agree. I get it. I would love to see all my favorite USA players in USA sweaters competing for a gold medal in the Olympics. I love it. Uh, and I, and I hate that it's not going to happen, but it's probably better for the Preds. It's better for the players. It's better for the league. 
we now have a three-week window where they can try to cram all these postponed games in as many as they can and then probably have to make some adjustments elsewhere. They're talking about, you know, doing sort of like those traveling pod kind of deals like they did last year where they're going to have maybe a two or three games in a row against the same team. So they're going to have to be super creative with the schedule and try to get as many games in as possible because, let's be honest, the NHL's commodity, what they sell to their their business partners, which are advertisers and TV partners, is games. Games are the commodity in sports for the league. That is what they sell. They don't sell players. They don't. They, they sell games. That is their product. And so they've got to get 82 in, and uh, hopefully the playoffs um, will be ready to go. Maybe it's a little delayed, but I, I think it was the right move. Unfortunately, it sucks, but it is what it is. So I don't, I don't know what else there's to say about the Olympics thing other than just it sucks, but it's the right move. Right. And, and look, they're going to have to backfill these rosters now with you know, players that are out of the league. And we did an interview, um, a podcast interview, not you and I, but the athletic um, with Bobby Ryan, uh, most recently of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I don't think he's in the league this year. You know, he might be called upon to play for team USA now uh, because the, because the NHL players, those that are active in the league aren't going to go. And look, you know, it's the same thing as if, as if uh, you know, I'm a bit in the summer games, I'm a big, basketball fan uh, when it comes to watching those games, you know, filling those rosters with, you know, G league guys, isn't going to be as exciting as watching the stars of the NBA. So it's the same thing with this. Like I'll probably still watch, you know, but watching, you know, Bobby Ryan and I don't (laughs) even know who else is not going to be as exciting as watching Austin Matthews, but you know, it's, it was, if, you know, as we said, it hasn't been official as we're recording this, but it it yeah. sounds you, like it's happening, and it's the right choice in my do, opinion. Do you think they should reimplement taxi squads? I, I think I think this is what the NBA is doing, right? They're, yeah, they're they're allowing I think you so. to, they're allowing you to bring an extra two or three players on to fill your roster when you have a COVID problem. So I think that's part of how you could avoid more stoppages and shutdowns and postponements cool. is to implement the taxi squad. Which well, I you're think talking about you're talking about the commodity commodity being the games, right? Like. Why are teams being forced to play down two or three skaters? Like it makes, it makes zero sense. So, I mean, I do think it would be a good idea. Maybe if it's not a full taxi squad, like it was last year with six or seven players, but maybe like two or three, four, you know, four, like, I think it would be fine. I I mean, I don't know if if that's going to happen, but you know, we didn't, I mean, I was about to say we didn't expect this to happen, another outbreak, but I guess, but we kind of did. We kind of (laughs) did. I guess we did. If you're, if you just have any ability to discern reality and read expertise, uh, you knew this was coming. And the good, again, the good news is, is that it's not going to be as devastating at all, and it's going to burn quickly and be done sooner. But again, all of this is pretty standard information that you can find out there from professional experts, not to hockey knuckleheads talking about the Predators. So with that being said, Adam Bingen, have a great holiday. Hope everyone else out there has a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. The Festivus for the rest of us. And a, what is it? A solemn and what? Solemn and dignified Ramadan. Solemn and dignified Ramadan. Um, Happy Kwanzaa as well. Everybody out there, the gold standard is brought to you by? It's brought to you by Jasper's. That's right. Go to Jasper's. Get gift cards. Get stocking stuffers. Go to Jasper's for Preds games if and when they take place again. Thank you guys all for listening. Merry Christmas. My name is Braden Gall. His name's Adam Bingen. Pay for good journalism at The Athletic. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.